0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's
1: going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop them.
2: Good morning. Afternoon evening brunch time lunch time finally basketball time in Tennessee time maybe a little maybe something a little more enjoyable to talk about time if uh, my co-worker in this episode can be positive anybody can be positive time whatever time of day it is boys and girls it's the right time for the go vols podcast West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here late late on a Tuesday night probably going to be very very early on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning before we get this to you and I'm reminding you what time it is because uh, that explains a couple things one why my voice is the way it is and two uh, why my intro was not really good it's not really ever very good but uh, certainly wasn't very good tonight but that's okay um, because my coworker tonight is um he's not always the uh not always the best either. Grant Ramey, what's up, man? The
1: the pod intro is fine and then the pod intro went zone defense and it got all messed up.
2: I know, right? Isn't that crazy how that happens? Isn't that crazy how that happens? Grant and I are here talking about Tennessee basketball being back on the map, back back uh back on the court finally. The twelfth rank falls open with a fifty-six to forty-seven win over Colorado on Tuesday night at Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, Grant was at the game. I was here at Fort Rucker Studio, which is uh, remember as the as the crow flies one point nine miles away uh, from Thompson Bowling Arena. But uh, we only get uh, one per outlet in there this season, understandably because of COVID rules. So Grant was there. I watched it from the house. Grant, how before we talk about the game, just how weird was it to be there at a game with only like four thousand people?
1: Uh, it would have felt—I I don't know really how to say this. It felt felt like a weirdly normal thing. Like covering a basketball game is what you do this time of year. I left the house and I said I'm going to work, and my six-year-old daughter looked at me and said, "You're going to work? Like you're actually leaving?" Um, so, and I—and you know the the arena, yeah, it's weird. The benches are on the opposite side of the floor, as you could tell if you're watching the game on TV. Uh, you're not facing the coaches with the cameras. They're they're. Uh, on the opposite sidelines so they're right over there in front of us and the benches are spread out they go all the way down the baseline basically in kind of a an l-shaped uh formation so it's a little bit strange uh there's some piped in noise it sounds uh, if you have small kids it sounds like a sound machine that they use to sleep <laughs> um so it might be a problem for a 9 p.m tip-off at thompson bowling arena uh if i'm in there trying to listen to a sound machine and cover a game but i mean it, it was strangely normal it was it was not anything like a normal game but it was a kind of a normal feeling to actually see him play basketball
2: and uh this is something i wanted to ask you about too rick barnes talked about to the game about the uh the temperature he thought more of the guys were keeping their warm-up pants on during the game before they checked in because it's uh with seventeen thousand fewer people in there it's uh feels a little cooler did you notice that during the game
1: yeah it's it's definitely different uh it's just a very different atmosphere it's almost like a kind of like a practice with a you know a little bit of uh, family and friends crowd only. I mean, and it is a something they'll have to adjust to. And Rick Barnes talked a little bit about this after the game, the way the bench is spread out. Uh, I mean, Eurosplofstad is just way over there, right underneath the basket, uh, right under, right next to the stanchion of the basket. So he's a long ways away from Rick Barnes. Uh, Olivier Kamwa was over there as well. Uh, if you're going to get in the game, you got to hustle to get to the score table because so you got to go uh, half the length of the floor to get there. He talked about Jaden Springer. He was all the way back uh, next to that concrete barrier at Thompson Bowling Arena. If you're familiar, yeah, uh, with the arena floor, it's about ten feet behind where Tennessee's bench normally would be. That'd be about the third or fourth row of fans that are sitting courtside. So uh, they got to cover a little bit of different distance. They got to get their sweats off. They got to get to the scores table first so they can check in. Uh, so it's a little bit of adjustment period for everybody.
2: And uh, fortunately for Tennessee, the game though went okay. The Vols. Uh, I don't want to say pulled away, but uh, certainly held off Colorado, fifty-six to forty-seven. And uh, you might think that score looks a little low, and it does. But uh, we're seeing that a lot in college basketball early this season. We talked about that uh, in one of the one of the preseason podcast episode th- episodes that we did. Uh, at least early in the season, it seems like that's the way a lot of games are going. Uh, didn't look like it was going to go that way early on for Tennessee, though. I believe in the first nine or so minutes of the game, Tennessee jumps out to a 19 to four lead. Uh, things clicking. Uh, everything defensively is is really tight. Everything offensively, they're getting flow. They're getting good buckets. And then, as Grant teased earlier, uh, Colorado did what it normally does not do, frankly, and went to a zone defense. And when Colorado did that, Tennessee just kind of ran into a wall.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's a number one. That's a pretty good Colorado team. I think they yes, won 20 games yes. last year. Todd oh, Boyle's a good coach. W- Would have been a tournament. Um, Would
2: have been an NCAA tournament team.
1: Right. And Barnes, you know, he mentioned that Tad Boyle's not his zone defense coach, but they knew kind of that they had it in there and they could go to it if they had to. And, and frankly, Tennessee's dealt with zones before. I mean, you can go back to Toronto last November uh, when they played Washington and, and Washington was known for that Syracuse zone uh, that their coach had brought from Syracuse. And Tennessee picked it apart. They hit foul line jumper after foul line jumper. So Tennessee has seen it before. Obviously, this is a very different Tennessee basketball team personnel-wise from the one last season. Uh, but Eve Ponds goes one for nine from the floor, uh, doesn't hit those foul line jumpers that he hit a ton of last year. Which, against,
2: which against the zone you really have to do.
1: Right. That's, that's, that's basically the most important shot to beat that zone is you have to get to the middle of it and produce. And once they adjust to take away the middle, uh, you start hitting cutters and, and screeners and you kind of move the ball from there and find open people. But when you don't hit that shot, obviously you're kind of playing right into the hands of that zone defense. So, Eve Hunts is going to hit those shots. He just didn't hit them against Colorado. I mean, he showed basically all last season that he can hit those shots. I think EJ Anasicki will be better at hitting those shots. Rick Barnes talked about wanting him to move a couple more feet in and not really sh- shoot that elbow jumper, but get more to that SEC logo in the middle of the paint and go from there. So, I, th- I think they'll be able to handle it. Uh, but credit Colorado. They were yeah they were down seventeen two. Uh, to start that game, was a one point, it was twenty six to ten. Later in the first half, and they got it all the way back to to one possession. They really frustrated Tennessee there for a while, uh, but also you credit Tennessee as a really good test of an opponent. Uh, they had a big lead, they gave up a run like you kind of expect in basketball, and they they answered the bell from there.
2: Yeah, and I do think we need to mention that that you know when when Colorado goes to that zone. Grant, you 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 hit on it already. You really got to get to the middle of the floor and you gotta hit that shot, that eight to ten foot shot, you know, maybe, maybe seven to ten foot shot, whatever it is. That's where you can really attack a zone. And if you do that, then you can get a zone uncomfortable. They gotta to adjust to that, then you can hit cutters, then you can do all kinds of stuff. And the problem was John Fulkerson got in foul trouble in the first half and, and was in foul trouble again, got his third. Uh, early in the second half, and he only played about 22, 23 minutes in that game. So when Fulkerson's not out there to hit that shot, and he's even 4 of 10 when he's in there, and and Pons is 2 of 9 or 1 of 9 on shots that he would normally go 6 of 9 from the floor taking those shots in a game, uh, that really played into what Colorado wanted. And I think it was important for Tennessee. It's important to remember this too. This was a uh, this was scheduled to be a tough game. This was supposed to be a tough game. Colorado was going to, in my opinion, probably they were right on the cut line, but but probably would have been a tournament team last season. I think certainly didn't didn't finish the season great, but still I think had enough of a resume to get in. A team that has one of the better point guards in the country and McKinley Wright, the fourth, uh, got a legitimate seven footer who's a good player. Got a couple of good wings, including Horn, who's a really nice shooter. Th- there's some good pieces on that team, and there's a really good coach. And, and Tennessee was already supposed to have played Gonzaga and Notre Dame by now and was not able to do that. And so you really you like to open up with a couple of softer games traditionally. Tennessee did not was not able to do that. Tennessee did not get a preseason scrimmage in. Tennessee, as of a couple of weeks ago, was still not practicing for a while because there were some COVID issues. So when you put all of that together, I think that adds context to this game and lets you know that Colorado had already played twice. Tennessee had not. Um, that's a pretty decent win for Tennessee. I don't think it's going to, you know, you know, set off alarm bells anywhere, but uh, I think it was an important win and a good win.
1: It was. And, and, you know, no disrespect to UT Martin for, you know, they were willing to come here and play a game Wednesday, had it, uh, had they not had a COVID positive test pop up in their program uh, and no disrespect to them, but Colorado, that's obviously a better test. That's obviously you want to put your feet to the fire a little bit, regardless of what you've had, uh, in terms of uh, practice-wise, playing-wise to this point in the season. Tennessee was the only ranked team left in the country that hadn't played a game yet. So they had to get something going and quickly and credit Colorado for these talks didn't start until Saturday morning. And by Saturday night, they had agreed to uh, come across country and play on a Tuesday night in Knoxville against a Tennessee team that you know, hasn't played a game yet. and They're number 12 in the country. Uh, they're thought of that highly. So uh, you credit them for that. But, yeah, I mean, it's a really good test. And and if you do kind of pick apart that zone a little bit, if you can hit those mid-range jumpers and score in the middle of that zone, uh, there's probably a lot less anxiety in that win. Uh, but for Tennessee, I think uh, you're fine with that struggle a little bit because you want to learn about your team. You want to see what you've got. And and they had some, uh, some of these young guys that everybody's been waiting on, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. I thought they made some important plays. Uh, but down the stretch, it felt like your veterans – uh, took over. Rick Barnes mentioned John Fulkerson hadn't practiced since Friday. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but he said, I didn't expect him to play well. And he actually told his coaching staff that he didn't expect Fulke to play well. Uh, and Fulkey didn't really play well uh, try- in terms of picking up some early fouls and not being able to be on the floor as much as they needed him. Um, but those veterans, uh, Fulke, Josiah, Santi down the stretch, uh, they really helped this team.
2: And I'll tell you this much too. and, uh, in- in- You know, I'm big on the plus-minus stats. I don't think they always tell the full story, um, but I think they're such an important stat, and they let you know sort of what combinations are working and which ones aren't. John Fulkerson had by far the best plus-minus on the team. He had a plus-13 in, in I think, 23 minutes. So Tennessee outscored Colorado by 13 in the 23 minutes he was on the court. Nobody else on Tennessee's roster had a, had a double-digit uh, score there for plus-minus. Victor Bailey had nine. Vescovi had seven. So, you know, that that to me – Again, tells you just how important important Fulkerson is. He did he didn't play that great. Uh, he shot four of ten. Did hit a couple of big shots down the stretch, um, but he only had three rebounds, uh, which Rick Barnes is going to go crazy at him about. Uh, just didn't didn't look totally like himself. But still, at the end of the game, he's got the best plus minus on of anybody on the floor, and he's making some plays down the stretch. So that was good to see. Uh, and I really I, I thought Pons, you know, even though he did not play very well in some other ways. He did do some things. He had a, a team-high 10 rebounds. And, and Colorado beat Tennessee on the glass by six, and it would have been a lot worse if Ponce hadn't hustled and gotten 10 boards. The, that was big for Tennessee. That That's something that, that you know, he's not just a defender. He can also score the ball, and he can really go rebound the ball. And, and I thought there, there were lots of interesting things. And I think in the second segment we can talk more about some of these young guys because everybody wants to talk about these five-star cats. But at the end of the day – Tennessee had four players play thirty or plus minutes in that game. Neither one of them were those freshmen. Uh, and and Rick Barnes said after the game he knew he wanted to lean on the older guys because of the way Colorado plays, and, and because of just the respect he has for Boyle. And and he just he thought that would be a game where he would need to kind of rely on veterans down the stretch. And, and he was right. You know, James had thirty minutes. Uh, Bailey had thirty five minutes. Vescovi thirty two. Pawns 33, and then Fulkerson had had 23, and nobody had more than 14 off the bench. So I, I'm not really shocked by that, but Grant, I also don't think at the end of the year, I don't think it's going to look like that.
1: No, this is going to be uh, definitely a, a kind of filling out process because usually by now, you've scrimmaged Davidson. This is back in October, you would scrimmaged Davidson. You would have an exhibition game. Uh, and you would have some of those directional school by games. Uh, obviously, this season, as it was originally scheduled, you would have opened at Wisconsin, and that would have been a completely different you know animal. But in oh, a yeah. normal year, you're 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 kind of wading into the water a little bit. This is more after sitting out for so long and waiting for so long, having to wait two more weeks uh, after you had, te- had paused team activities a couple of weeks ago, you're you're diving in head first. and it made sense to me to lean on those veterans. Uh, and start the the five that they did, uh, VJ, Bailey, Santi, Josiah, uh, Eve, and Fulky, and have EJ Anisiki and have Keon Johnson and have Jaden Springer be the first three guys off the bench, that made complete sense to me because that's kind of the direction I thought they would go. Uh, But this is the the rotation, the rhythm that they have in games. It's going to be a huge filling-out process because they haven't had a chance to go through this process. I mean, it's just simply you're starting – you're not starting from scratch, but in terms of game day uh, flow and preparation, you are kind of starting from scratch because of how much you've had to stop and start. So uh, that's why it's an important win, a good win uh, for them to answer the way they did after struggling a little bit in the middle of the game. uh, And it gets you ready for another, another good one Saturday against Cincinnati.
2: And I'll tell you last thought here on the first segment, Grant, I, I think that you're already seeing why, you know, one of the biggest questions a lot of us have had about this team is is who plays how many minutes because, you know, let's not even put ticket gains in this conversation. Who, who I think is a pretty solid player, but a guy, who, a kid who did not play tonight. We'll see how much he plays this season. But even if you don't put him in the mix, Tennessee still got six or seven guards who really have to play. You know, I, I, th- these are guys that, you know, you got three guard spots there these are guys that are that are going to have to play if they're healthy. And it's going to be interesting to see how they divvy that up because people keep saying, why why will Springer not start? Why will Johnson not start? Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to put Bailey on the bench? Are you going to put Vescovi on the bench? Are you going to put Josiah Jordan-James, who's a great glue guy, on the bench? I don't know that you're going to do that. Uh, so so that's, that's kind of – it's going to be an interesting thing throughout the season because they're going to have to figure out flow with this um because different games go different ways you can always have different plans of attack going into games but the bottom line is they got a lot of guys who got to play
1: they need to just set up hockey boards and just straight up hockey shifts somebody somebody all all the time has got a, a leg over the board ready to get on the floor short shift uh, short shifts 30 yeah, second shifts yeah run a run a three possessions uh, shift and, and get off floor i mean no it's a really good problem for Tennessee to have and i don't uh, i don't think it's any disrespect to Keon or Jaden to come off the bench in their first game. I don't think it'll be any disrespect if they do it in their second game. I don't think it'll be any disrespect at any point in the season if they're still coming off the bench because it's it's going to be a factor of how many minutes do you play uh, and are you in the game in crunch time. In, in the second half when it was a one-possession game, Keon Johnson was on the floor, guarding McKinley right, Colorado's leading scorer. He tied him up, uh, and then he forced a uh, – it was an alternate possession. Colorado got the possession after he yeah. tied it up. Then he forced a turnover. Then he went down and caught a lob from Santi for a dunk. I believe it might have been his first points of the night. I, don't, I can't remember. And that was
2: called specifically, too. They set two screens on that play to get that right. lob.
1: They, they, that used was to, a
2: huge, they used to run that play to Bowden and Schofield all the time.
1: That was a huge sequence in that game, and he's on the floor. And then later, you know, Jaden Springer doesn't check in until, I think, 12, 30 mark of the second half. Eight seconds after he checks in, he hits a three. So, I mean, these guys can play. Uh, they're making up for a lost time a little bit. Uh, but they're going to get their opportunities, and they're going to get their minutes.
2: Yeah, and that's something we're going to talk about for sure in the second segment. We're going to talk a lot about those two five-star freshmen. We're going to talk about e- E.J. Anasicki also, who I think showed some really promising things in that game. Uh, a lot of uh, people like the veterans, but people also love the shiny new toys, and this, this team has some shiny new toys that, uh, that look really, really impressive, and we kind of thought they would, and, and they have. Also, some some things that maybe weren't so great, but that's okay. We're going to take a quick break, step away, pay some bills, come back in just one second and talk about that here on the Go Balls 24-7
3: podcast. Hashtag
2: Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads. You just heard a moment ago during that commercial break, West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, Grant Ramey coming to us from the uh, – now he's – he was at Thompson Bowling Arena. Now he's back at the uh, Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down there in Merville. Talking Tennessee's 56-47 to season opening win over Colorado on Tuesday night at Thompson Bowling Arena. And we got a lot to talk about with some of these newcomers, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, please go in there. And I apologize for my voice again. It's it's crappy tonight. It's, it's just that time of year, and it's late. But uh, please go in there, whether you are on – Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you can cast a fine pod in the whole wide world, you can find the Go 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. And it's a labor of love. But the one thing that we ask is that you go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. Nothing will help us out more than if you continue doing that. We're seeing a little bit more uptick in that, but I'd like to see more because I can see every week, every day, how many people are downloading this podcast. And and I really like where things are going. I think that, that would take things to the next level. If you could go there and do that, that would help us out a lot. We'll probably do some giveaways and things later on as we continue to progress this podcast. Uh, We'll also take some show topics and things from there, some questions. Uh, You'd like to hear us talk about some things. Put it in there, and we will talk about it. Grant, in this game tonight, which, again, Tennessee won 56-47 over Colorado, the Buffaloes, a pretty good Pac-12 team that I think was a tournament team last season or would have been and I think you know has a really good chance to be a tournament team this season, a team that's got one of the better point guards in college basketball, a legit seven-foot big man, a couple of good wings, a really good coach, good system. Uh, Tad Boyle's got a lot of respect throughout the business. Former Tennessee assistant Tad Boyle, I should say, uh, but Tennessee w- was unveiling a lot of a lot of new shiny toys, and none of them started in the game. But as you said, Grant, and really, you know, they they played Anasiky. EJ Anasiki plays 14 minutes. Keon Johnson plays 13 minutes. Jaden Springer plays nine minutes. But even still, in that time, those guys did a lot of really good things.
1: First of all, I'd never seen E.J. Anasicki in the flesh until I got to the arena. That's a large human. Yeah, he's a big guy. I mean, obviously, he's not the tallest dude in the world, but that's a big kid. I mean, the, the legs on that kid. I, I, I can understand why uh, he, he rebounds the way he does, why that's kind of uh, in his DNA. Um, I, I was impressed by him, kind of what he brings uh, to the team. Obviously, stat line was not huge. Um, you know, limits weren't, uh, minutes weren't huge. Um, but I think what he brings kind of, personality wise mentality wise to this team on and off the floor i think uh there'll be some nights where he has big nights other nights where he's a little bit more quiet but uh in between i think he's going to bring them really what they what they need in the post and and with with Jaden and Keon obviously you're just you're scratching the surface i think what you saw Keon guarding the ball uh, defensively uh, i think he's extremely impressive man he is um, really good defensively
2: really really he, good. he
1: he really is i mean he he's he's beyond his years there uh, and he puts that athleticism that he has uh, to work. And, and he's going to be really, really good defensively. I think he's going to be a really good two-way guard. I mean, uh, he's he's still working on his offense a little bit. Uh, he's not really a natural point guard. He's not a guy that's going to bring the ball up a ton. Or he's not done that a ton in his career, at least to this point. Um, we'll see how much they rely on him there. Um, Jaden, he's, a, he's a, I think, physically impressive uh, on site when you're looking at him. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that, that can be the score a little bit more. Of out of these newcomers, a guy that's going to have that scoring mentality. Obviously, VJ Bailey showed that off in the first half, and he's going to be a guy that could score a ton. But just in terms of these newcomers, these guys that we haven't really seen much of, um, I think he's impressive. Uh, I don't know really minutes-wise kind of when it's going to tick up or how exactly they'll slow play them, but I, I do think they will take their time kind of uh, and work their way through them. Um, but the more you see of them, I think the more you'll like them.
2: Yeah, at one point, you know, Colorado got that thing whittled down to one possession uh, there early in the second half because it had been, you know, a sixteen or whatever point lead, big big lead. Uh, then it gets down to four at the end of the first half. Escobey hits a three, it goes back to seven. But early in the second half, uh, Colorado, I believe, went on a seven to two run to start the second half. If I've got my numbers right here correctly, which this time of night's not a sure thing, uh, but they got the score down to thirty three thirty one, and coming out of that media timeout. Uh, I believe it was was when this happened. There was a time where uh, Keon Johnson got the ball on the left wing, kind of run behind the three-point line, and he had a move that I called NBA AF, uh, where he took the one dribble pull up and just stuck the jumper right in the guy's face. And that, to me, when I saw that, uh, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. That, you, you, that's the kind of play that you see routinely in an NBA game, and you just don't see a ton of college guards who just consistently do that. That, to me, was like, okay, you you start to see it in glimpses right now, don't you? You just kind of see glimpses of how special this kid is.
1: Yes, that's the exact word uh, in my head that uh, was floating around, just glimpses. You just see them uh, in spots, and and I think you just see it in glimpses right now just because they're not comfortable. Uh, Obviously, it's a new setting. It's a new surrounding. Uh, It's a little bit different, obviously, for everybody this year. Uh, The gyms are different. The setups are different. It's, It's not basketball. Obviously, in a normal world, but when you do see that one play or, you know, on the defense when he's, you know, tying up the ball or forcing a turnover, on offense when he's pulling up and hitting that kind of shot, that's kind of a preview of, of what you're going to see later on on a more consistent basis once he settles in, once they find a comfort zone. It goes for Keon, it goes for Jaden Springer, uh, it goes for EJ Anasicki, VJ Bailey, all these guys. Once they establish themselves a little bit more, once they kind of get comfortable, get their feet wet. Uh, at this level. The, I think those glimpses are going to turn into uh, a lot more you know, head-turning plays, a lot more consistency, uh, a lot more production.
2: And also, uh, one of Springer's threes, you said right when he checked in, uh, Colorado had just hit a three to make it 38-34, and that's when Springer just stuck one right in, right in Colorado's eyeballs there to, to put the lead right back at seven. And, and what I liked about that, Grant, was you mentioned this a little bit in the first segment. These guys – the moment did not get big for them. You know, you didn't see them kind of do – they didn't do the whole kind of traditional freshman thing where you, you know, kind of in a close game, a big spot, you just kind of defer a little bit. You let one of the older guys kind of take over. These guys were like, hey, wait, this is one-possession game. Give me the ball. I'm going to score it. And that, to me, is impressive because of – you think about that being their first career game, the weird offseason that it's been, kind of a weird environment in the gym – and for those guys to still feel comfortable to go out there and do that, I mean, hey, th- th- that's what you want a five-star to do, right?
1: Yeah, and, and when you're recruiting in those five-star waters, I mean, the, the talent that Jaden Springer was surrounded by at IMG Academy is as elite as it gets at that level. Obviously, his teammates are, have that same five-star profile that he had or, or the same kind of talents. Uh, when those guys play together, everybody wants to have their shot to take the game over. Uh, and to do what they have to do in in big moments. And I think you can see that, especially on that Jaden three-way, he pulls up and hits it right after he checks in. Like you said, it was a four-point game. That got it back to seven. Obviously, that's a pretty big difference. That's a little bit more breathing room uh, in the second half when they needed it. And we talked about that sequence where Keon forced a couple uh, tied up and then forced a turnover. That was a huge sequence. And then he had that dunk. He had some other shots he hit. Um, I don't think either of them scored in the first half. I think maybe – combined for one shot between the two of them Uh, and when that you know a really quiet first half didn't translate into a really quiet second half these guys are not going to be afraid uh, of the moment afraid to step up and I thought that was the one thing that really stood out to me when Tennessee was kind of slogging through that middle part of the game where they were looking for answers they needed somebody to take over they needed somebody to get the ball uh, and to score it when they needed a bucket and they're going to have to find that guy more consistently Uh, as this season gets rolling. But if you've got these young guys that are talented as they are and they're not afraid of those moments, then, then maybe those are the guys that step up and make these big plays uh, and go get buckets when they need
2: them. Yeah, you're right, because at that point, you know, Victor Bailey had had really done so many great things in the first half. He hit a bunch of big shots. And then he he kind of stopped hitting there in the second half. He, he just – the ball started kind of rimming out on him. Uh, Pons w- was was one of nine, just couldn't get a shot to go down. Fulkerson was on the bench with foul trouble. You know, Josiah Jordan-James has never been kind of a give me the ball and get out of the way kind of guy. That's just really – as good a player as he is, that's not really what his game is. And so at that point, they, they you know, Vescovi, you know, hit a couple of big shots as he always did, but but they really needed somebody to step up and do that, and they were like, okay, well, if why, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll go ahead and do it, and I think that's what that's what you need. These guys don't need to be afraid of the moment, and I don't I don't think they're gonna be Grant. I, I just don't. I also think it was good to see. There's a couple more things I want to mention before we get out of here. One of them was Vescovi because I thought, again, he just looks so comfortable with the ball in his hands. You know, he he does look like he's in better shape. He's a little better now defensively. Uh, he had 11 points, five assists, a couple big rebounds, uh, did some really good things in the game. And, and I don't, I don't, I, I want to make sure we're talking about Bailey in this before we get out of here, too, because Bailey to me was a guy who I kept trying to tell everybody. I, I know you want to keep talking about these freshmen, I get it. But, but Bailey's going to be so important for this team because he's a guy who they really they desperately needed him last season uh, because of the different things he can do offensively, defensively. He'll hit some big shots. He's crazy athletic. He can check up, you know, lock up the other team's point guard. There's just a lot of things this kid can do, and you can see why Rick Barnes likes him so much.
1: For sure. The, the first 10 minutes of the game, what what struck me, uh, I don't know if Vijay was scoring in those first 10 or when exactly, he started hitting shots. Uh, but in the first half when Tennessee was building that lead, my mind kept going back to those storylines from the offseason where, you know, Josiah said V.J. is the best-kept secret in college basketball, um, and, and they kept saying how elite this team could be defensively. And Colorado had only scored two points, uh, and V.J. had scored eight points and was three for three from the field uh, and had hit both of the threes that he took. So the way those storylines kind of materialized the first few minutes was, was pretty crazy, and I think that is the guy that V.J., can be he's got one of the best scoring mentalities on this team yes uh, if that makes sense I don't think that means he's going to shoot it uh, astronomically high numbers uh, compared to his teammates but the way he's going to look for a shot is I think what you need a little bit of that Lamonte Turner that they've had the last few years that they're missing now so uh, if he can do that uh, if he can consistently score uh, I don't think he's going to have games where he you know lights it up in the first half and completely falls off the map in the second half he did have a couple uh, rim out, like you said, but if he's got that scoring mentality, if he's going to go after and go get it, and he can be productive, uh, that's going to make this team, you know, that much better because he's living up to what was expected of him. And obviously, there's there's high expectations across the board. Yeah, because e-
2: even Vescovi, as talented, as sweet a shooter as he is, uh, you know, he 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 still there's kind of a he kind of lets it come to him. You know, he won't just sit there and and force shots to force them. Now he has range and he'll show it, but he's not going to just go out there enforce things a lot of the time whereas there are times where you can see Victor Bailey is like hunting he's on the prowl if he wants to take a shot he's going to get to the spot he's going to take the shot and he's going to be confident there's a chance he's going to make it he just there, there's coaches use this expression like guys who go hunt their shot guys who go hunt and it looks to me like Victor Bailey is kind of a guy who every time he's on the court he's hunting
1: for sure, and and that's what you want. I mean, you like we talked about a few minutes ago, you're, you need somebody to take over and to, to hunt, to look for their points uh, in certain moments in the game. Obviously not to a, a crazy extent, but you, you need that attacking mentality. This team uh, is really good defensively. They're going to attack on the defensive end. They also want to attack just as much on the offensive end, whether that's transition, whether that's pulling up for three, whether that's creating your own shot. That's something that Rick Barnes has talked about to this point that they haven't really had. Uh, the last few years as those guards that can go and create their own shots uh, and create their own offense. So you know, if these guys can do it, if VJ can do it, Keon, Jaden, if, if they can start doing it consistently, um, when you combine that with what they can do defensively, it's a pretty good basketball
2: team. Yeah. That's that's going to be the last thought for me here is that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is that when you look at, we talked about all the things that Bailey did offensively, defensively. I, I don't know that a lot of Tennessee or, or necessarily even SEC fans know this, but McKinley Wright, the fourth Colorado senior point guard, is an absolutely fantastic player. For for those who, you know, uh, like me who who don't sleep very well or up late at night, you know, you watch a lot of Pac-12, you know, football and basketball because that's what that's what's on then. And and I've seen this kid play a lot, and, and he's good. And he had he played 39 minutes in the game. On, Saturday, or on Tuesday, came into the game averaging 22 points a game. This kid's been a good player for years. Uh, he had, I believe, what was it, eight points on three of eight shooting in 39 minutes. Uh, he did have seven rebounds and four assists, but he also had five turnovers. Uh, he had a minus nine on the, on the plus minus. And Victor Bailey and um, I think the guys who deserve the most credit for that would be Victor Bailey and um, would be Keon Johnson. I think those two guys did just a fantastic job guarding him.
1: Yeah, and, and one guy that I was really impressed with, uh, Jeremiah Horn. Uh, I hope I got yeah. his name right. Good player. Uh, his first name right. I think he finished with 15 and 11. He had a lot of big shots. He's really impressive. Uh, if Tennessee fans want something to to feel good about from that performance, I believe Kim English signed him at Tulsa. He transferred to Colorado, and now he's one of Colorado's best players. So uh, shout out, Kim English, for uh, not only, uh, you know, obviously he's a he's a really big asset to Tennessee staff. He's a really good recruiter. Uh, He's an elite recruiter, but he got that Colorado game kind of to happen because of his ties with that Colorado staff when when he was there from 2017 to 2019. So I think if you were to ask him, he would say the the weirdest part of tonight was probably facing his old team.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll say this too. uh, If you're a Tennessee fan, just enjoy, really, really enjoy having Kim English uh, on the staff because it will not be long before he's a head coach. And I don't really think it'll be that long until Schwartz is a head coach too
1: we will probably just uh, settle for having somebody else have to deal with the schedule after the <laughs> yeah. scars of 2020. <laughs> yeah.
2: My goodness, that guy. And there've been a lot of, a lot of quiet soldiers in that Tennessee program who've had to do quite a bit over the past 10 months and nine months, just, just to get things done and, you know, from him with the scheduling and, and Mary Carter, Eggert, and just a lot of those people. Just a lot of people in that program have had to pull their load, and, and they've been they've been doing a really good job on that front. Grant, anything else from the game? Anything else that uh, you thought was – I mean, maybe we could have mentioned that Olivier Kumwa did not have a, a great performance. Um, you know, it was just one game. plastic didn't do much. Um, but I think for the most part we've gotten most of it covered.
1: Yeah, need to see more from Olivier. Uh, Eurosh, it'll be interesting to see what his um... – production is how many minutes he can give them consistently dependable minutes uh as they go on but i think if fulkerson avoids foul trouble and is a little bit more of himself for 40 minutes i think you don't see a ton of those guys um as the season goes on but we'll see they have they have depth options there they have guys that can come in they have a little bit of size off the bench Uh, it's a good luxury to have and um off to a good start.
2: Yeah, I think Fulkerson was also pretty sore. I don't know if it was like a sickness or if it was some sort of like little tweak somewhere that's been bothering him that he hadn't practiced. But he definitely, um, you know, he, he 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 just looked a little. He, he, he was a little slow to get off the floor a couple of times. I think he was a little bit sore uh, from something in that game. So, uh, but but still, you, you
1: did You know something wrong when he didn't go crashing over some folding table. Yeah, or... he
2: he let he let he let VJ Bailey do the FOLKY of the game by diving. <laughs> he stayed on
1: it. He stayed on his feet too long, so it has got to be wrong. He he
2: didn't look nearly spastic enough. I don't know what was going on there. But I I appreciate it, Grant. Uh, Thanks for joining us, man. I know it's been a long day, but uh, we appreciate it, buddy. See you. And you know what, guys? I think that's just going to about do it for us since I've let Grant out of here. I think I'm going to go ahead. If I can hit that button and play that music. There we go. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm West Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash balls 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash balls 24-7 and get uh, not just all Tennessee stuff there, uh, but mostly Tennessee stuff there uh, throughout the day. It's some other stuff, some, some Titans and Preds and Grizzlies and SEC stuff, but mostly mostly things that we think Tennessee fans would be interested in reading about. But if you want the uh, just the, the best, the, the most delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water, that Smoky Mountain goodness, right from the tap, go get that at govalls 247com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, uh, Lady Vols stuff where Marie Cornelius does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us got a couple forums on there open 24-7 for Tennessee fans to talk about Vols talk about life talk about whatever you want in this crazy world we're living in we got the checkerboard and we've got the summit there for you to go uh, you know it's just been a tough year we're in a lot of people depending on what state you're in you might have a stay at home order shut down something like that it's just a tough year to go out and do stuff but if you, you want to kind of have that water cooler conversation go check out our site, go to, go to the checkerboard, go to the summit. That's what it's there for. Lots of Tennessee fans talking talking sports, talking live, talking everything. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And if you already pay us full price, you get free access. As long as you're paying us full price, you get access in perpetuity for free. CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform, which is a $100 annual value that we will give you for absolutely nothing. And what all's in that? I'm glad you asked because if you haven't heard the first 800 times I've said it, I'll say it again. Every show that CBS has ever done, commercial-free. New movies every single month. Uh, Some holiday favorites uh, that are on there now that my wife and I have been watching. Uh, You've also got uh, Live Sports And sports on demand. You got Tennessee stuff, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, SEC football, SEC basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, of course. You got NFL football, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. You also got uh, World Series of Poker stuff, you got some exclusive podcast stuff. Also, you get Comedy Central stuff on there. You get uh, MTV and BET stuff on there. And you get uh, Smithsonian and Nickelodeon for the kiddos on there. So all kinds of good stuff. $100 plus annual value. If you have streamed everything else and you think there's nothing else I can watch this year, we got all that on CBS All Access. And we'll give it to you for free. How about them apples guys? If you, if there's no big breaking news on Wednesday, you'll probably hear from us on Thursday uh, before Tennessee goes and plays Vanderbilt this weekend in football. Also Tennessee plays Cincinnati in basketball this weekend. So we'll have probably a podcast that covers both of those late, late Saturday night. Uh, But you'll hear from us before then, because you should hear from us by Thursday, wear your masks, wash your hands, take care of each other. Let's get through this and um, be good. See y'all.